Welcome in listeners to another episode of the Busby Babe podcast. I'm your host Colin Dams, joined once again by Nathan Heinchel and Polly Questel. What is up, boys? Title race is over. It's dead. It's, it's not dead. It was never alive. Only in only in dreams. Uh, yeah. So Manchester are we United glad we didn't take those competitions? Coming off a one-one draw at. A uh, team possibly worse than Sheffield United, uh, West Brom, in a very unencouraging performance uh, where it took, you know, a moment of Bruno brilliance even to get a point out of this. And, uh, yeah, so uh, vibes are pretty low right now at uh, the Theater of Dreams. Yeah, I mean, on an initial vibe analysis, like, they're just not good. You know, they're not they're not quite where you want to be. Um, I, I I said it right in the starting 11 preview, um, and then I reiterated it in my match report. Like, West Brom is not a good team this year. Like, they're really not good. Um, Big Sam came in to kind of prevent them from getting relegated, and they have not trended in the right direction to suggest that they will survive relegation. They're scoring like 0.8 goals per game right now. Like they're not good. And so of course we let them score in the second minute and then had to chase a game for the better part of a half and then could not find the back of the net for the second one. Vibes are yeah. low. Yeah. I wonder how low the vibes are at Old Trafford. I certainly hope they're low, but you listen, you know, Obviously, you can never listen to Ollie Solskjaer's press conferences and take them seriously because he all he does is tell half truths, if even if it's a half. But you just hope that it's that the vibes are are low and not so much that are just like oh it's just like a little bad little bad patch. You need to make sure that hey we know that where the mat like you know this squad is not as good as we hoped it would be. And we have some big holes in some in several areas of the squad, and we need to address that. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's important to keep in context that we are still in second place, level on points, but uh, head on goal difference with Leicester. But it, it, there is definitely the sense that the squad has been underperforming. And I would say even back when we were winning in early January, uh, some of those close games, we just haven't had a lot of creative spark in front of goal and creating, you know, as many goal scoring opportunities as we need. And that was maybe covered up by the narrative at the time, which was that we had gained ground on Liverpool who were also struggling and overtook them for about two weeks to achieve first place. Meanwhile, uh, Manchester city lurking in the shadows were actually cooking up something a lot more special. Right, and we we sat here and and did a podcast with with Mark, for, you know, who is a Liverpool supporter, and we spoke for about a good hour about this game and how that United Liverpool game and how big it was. And then you know, in the last ten minutes, both both sides were like, "Hey, uh, you know, the real threat is Manchester City." So, you know, that's why I was always like, "We're never really in the title race because it wasn't really about Liverpool. It was slow and steady Manchester City of." figured it out they've what they've considered like one goal since thanksgiving they're just unbeatable right now yeah manchester city is like officially back in a death star status and that like really bums me the f out (laughs) it it bums me the f out too because they're just 
they're really just playing Van Gaal ball. Like, they look a lot like a Louis Van Gaal team. Just the difference is all their players can play with the ball at their feet. All of them are really good. And it's like we were doing this with uh, Morgan Schneiderlin and an old Bastion Schweinsteiger, Memphis Depay, um, Ander Herrera, and like, you know. Old like, Ashley uh, Young and Antonio old Valencia. Old Ashley Young, old Wayne, yeah. old Wayne Rooney, who had the yeah. worst first touch like ever. You know, none of those pieces fit for a Van Gaal team. And like City are just Van Gaaling right now with good players and it's it's work they're grinding out one nil wins left and right yeah. say what you want about old wayne rooney but he can still play that crossfield ball to antonio valencia down the right wing yeah after he settles it down with his second touch yeah. you can also he can also still hit like a, a three quarters of the yard uh, field ball to luciano acosta for a header against mls defenders right because he has enough time in mls to accommodate that lack of first touch <laughs> Or even his bad first touch looks much better than everyone else's. Right. Um, So looking ahead then uh, to something that we had discussed in the past with uh, it or in relation to Manchester United's title chances, but uh, Europa League, uh, UEFA Thursday League coming up this week, Manchester United playing Real Sociedad. Okay. Thursday night Champions League. That makes it sound a little bit better. Right. Well, let's but, let's let's think about it this way. Let's look at CBS and what they're putting on TV because today they had wall-to-wall Champions League coverage, um, with and they showed the Barcelona PSG match. And now they have the post-game show going on, and then tomorrow we've got the Jim Rome show and Tiki and Tierney, and there's there's no football on because there's no football. And then Thursday is they have the Golazo show going all afternoon. So. Obviously, that's where the premier European football is. Yeah, it's certainly not on the cock. <laughs> yeah, and uh, United uh, fitting into that lunchtime slot. So uh, I think all eyes will be on them, you know, however many eyes are watching Europa League at one in the afternoon on a Thursday. On a Thursday. <laughs> Same time as Tottenham. So, unless. Oh, there you go. And uh, to any neutrals who might be listening, uh, one, what are you doing? Right, uh, two, <laughs> two. Uh, hey, what's up? Would you rather watch <laughs> Manchester United <laughs> versus Real Sociedad or Jose Mourinho looking for one goal on a set piece and then parking the bus against whoever the fuck they're playing? Well, what do you think we're going to do? <laughs> uh, Tottenham's Don't playing Wolfsburg. They're playing I mean, Wolfsburg. Oh, that might actually. How many goals do you think? How many goals do you think between like you watched today? Um, Liverpool went to Le- oh they went to Hungary. Well, they went to Leipzig via Hungary, and PSG go to Barcelona, and they both just take care of business away from home. United are going to Spain via Turin, and Tottenham are going to what Germany via also Hungary. How many goals? How many goals do you expect to see between Tottenham and United? I a maximum of two. 0.05 or 0.5. Yeah, like a maximum of two. Like, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's so disappointing to see it already. In uh, in looking up stats before the show, uh, I found this interesting nugget that Manchester United have not beaten a Spanish side in a European competition since uh, the one 0 win away to Celta Vigo 
uh, and that is nine attempts, so three draws and six losses against Spanish opponents in Europe. Oh, that was better. I would I would have said 2008 against Barcelona, but uh, Celta Vigo is that was 2017 when we won the Europa League. Mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised we played that many Spanish opponents since then. I guess we played Sevilla twice. Uh, so well, in, that's three games against Sevilla. Yeah, yes, and then three games then against Sevilla. Then there's there's Barcelona. how many? Two against Barcelona. Right. Uh, and then there's who do who did Ander, Ander Herrera play for? Um, Bilbao. Bilbao. So that's another two. And, well, and we probably had a when Spanish team. When did we team play Bilbao in the last three 712. years? No, this is this is like in the last three years though. Oh real? Oh, just the last three years? Yeah. Oh, oh, we played Valencia in the uh, group stage one year. Right, we always play Valencia, and like we always like draw nil nil with them. Yeah, those games. Let's not forget. I think we played uh, Real Madrid in the Super Cup as well. That is. We did. Yep, we did. <laughs> wow. And we played and, Barcelona in the ICC in uh, 2017. Let's not forget that. Lost that too. <laughs> I don't know if that counts. Neymar Who's, scored. Hey, we were, last last, we're the last. We're the last team to have won an, an ICC final. Yeah. There we go. The only team to win an ICC final. No, they had finals before. That was that. It was Van Gaal was like, "What the hell, guys? Like, we're not doing this again." They were like, "All right, we'll scrap the final." Wait, no, I thought Tottenham won it because they were claiming that was actually a trophy. They for claimed, well, they claimed the win because they won like the most games in it. Yeah. But like, but the first like two or three years, I think three, actually three or four years of the ICC, there was actually like two divisions, and you played and the the leaders of the two divisions actually played a final. We beat Liverpool in the final in Miami. I, I imagine if that uh, Malcolm X clip was in the memeography back then, that that would have been prevalent in uh, Tottenham Twitter after they claimed that title. Hey, Tottenham fans, go online now and buy your League Cup finalist uh, banners and <laughs> coffee mugs. <laughs> Uh, maybe we can put the pressure on City enough that they will rest somebody in April for that final, but uh, unlikely. I hope City blow the doors off them. I don't want Jose winning. Wow. Polly Questel on a Man United podcast endorsing Manchester City for a trophy. It's 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 just I don't want Mourinho winning. I'm like, you know what? City have won the League Cup like the last 8,000 years. What is another League Cup for them? Yeah. The Eddie Hot Airways League it's Cup. The, it's the lesser. It's the lesser of two evils. It's truly the mids pack of major trophies. Well, <laughs> speaking of <laughs> those kind of major trophies, uh, Nathan, have you changed your stance on uh, tank the cups, win the league? Well, I mean, now that we're not going to win the league, I mean, we got to go for some trophies, don't we? Um, yeah. Without being completely facetious about it, though, I think. Um, I think at this point it's it's going to be pretty necessary to. I think Ali's got to win one if he's going to try and. And I hate that we're even talking about it like this when we're in second place, which is an improvement over our third place finish last year. But there's still this vocal minority of the fan base that Ali's got to try and win over. Um, and I think a trophy is going to go a long way of helping that cause. I think the Europa League. I mean, I don't know how you tier it. If it's the Europa League's more important or the FA Cup's more important, but I think he, I think he's got to bring home one. Um, and then, you know, he can sit there then all summer and talk about my team improved. We went from third place to second place. We, you know, got over the hump in a semifinal and we, you know, made it to a final on one. 
Um, and if he's got some silverware, then you know, that's continuing to add to that foundation that he's building on, you know, this three to four year plan that we've always talked about. You know, we're kind of at that point where we have to start seeing some of the fruits of the labor. We're not going to see, you know, the big haul yet. The big haul is the Premier League trophy, potentially the Champions League trophy. So we're building up to that. So I think bringing home that Europa League final, bringing home that FA Cup final, that's going to do a lot to earn them some goodwill. And it's going to give the team an additional bit of momentum as we go into that transfer window that I think there's an expectation that we're going to renew interest in some of the players we were talking about last summer, uh, especially with the financial situations of some clubs not getting any better this year. Um, So we can continue to put ourselves in the right position to be where we need to be for the next year in the plan. And I think a good way to do that is to win at least one, if not both of these trophies that we're still in contention for. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not the biggest fan of the Europa League. Um, when I appeared on Polly's, uh, the sweat, the sweatpants podcast, the sweatpants report podcast, uh, was the beginning of the 1920 season. I was very hesitant to say that we should put any effort into the Europa League at all. But that's also because back um, in 1920, travel around Europe was much more difficult. Like, commercial airlines weren't as prevalent. He's meaning literally 1920? (laughs) (laughs) Also also coming off of the effects of a major pandemic. And a a world war. (laughs) There's still time for that. Right. (laughs) Man, how times don't change. Um, It's almost like if we learn from history. But but yeah, (laughs) the Europa League, so I, I guess my thing with the Europa League is that even when we won it in uh, 2016-17 under Jose, it, it just felt like a really grueling campaign to win something out of necessity uh, to qualify for the Champions League and not necessarily the big leap forward that maybe Jose wanted to pedal it as in terms of narrative. And if we win it this year, I think, the biggest positive takeaway for me would be getting over the hurdle of winning some of these bigger games, uh, which has been a problem under Ole. So losing in semifinals and quarterfinals and, you know, getting to a final and winning it. I think for the mentality of the squad, that's going to be more important than anything, especially more important than the Europa League trophy. I, I understand what you're saying that it it does feel like a a slog. It's weird though, because it's, it's only two more games than the Champions League is. But it does. It just feels like that grueling, long slog. I will say, and you're right. I, I think more than anything, it's, it feels that way because at the time we were watching Jose Mourinho team. Yeah, that too. I think Mourinho put his eggs all in one bas- all in the Europa League basket pretty quickly. Um, you know, Paul Pogba only played in five of United's final 12 league games that year. And two of those were 45 minutes. He didn't miss a Europa League game. Very clear where Mourinho's priorities lay. And he did sell it like, oh, this is this great stepping stone and everything. United, this, I don't think they would sell it that way this time. I, I, you know, I don't think they would give, if they won it, I don't think they would be giving up on the league. I think they would be fighting for both. And if they won it, yeah, you get the positive of, they they overcame that semifinal thing 
they want and then they they want a big match in the final but i think you would also get more like we want a competition that we should win if we fancy ourselves as a champions league team and a team that could be competing at the top of england then the europa league is filled with teams that are we should we should be and that was the europa league in 2017 you know every draw that we got it was we should win this and you looked at the teams remaining and it was always well, we're probably the best we're among the two three best teams in this so but Mourinho was so self-conscious that he had to sell it as this major accomplishment as opposed to now it'll be we are fighting in the league to finish in the top four and all the while we're doing that we are also competing in the Europa League so if we won it would it would be just dual things going on and we we did what we were supposed to do I'm enjoying this little cribs tour that we're having yeah. Alan right now as he <laughs> changes to a better internet spot. <laughs> this is good radio. That's why, that's why that. I was distracted while I was speaking. <laughs> I was relocating for the sake of internet and not dropping another call. Um, so now that I'm in the room that my router is in, Nathan, how do you feel <laughs> about the, uh, about diet champions league? Yeah, I mean, how do you value this, I guess, in comparison to, say, the FA Cup, where we would be, I mean, we play Leicester City next, who we're level with, and I guess we would say that they are equal in the Premier League based on that, but they've also been a pretty good team under Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, I, I mean, when you're doing that comparison, it's like the FA Cup is kind of that way of measuring yourself against the league in, in, in a way that we always, can, or at least I always compare, you know, it's like a pseudo like proxy war of what's happening in the, in the Premier League race. I mean, Leicester are a team that we should beat. We have beaten, but at the same time, like, you know, they're a good team. And so as much as there's like an expectation that we should beat that team, it's still an accomplishment to beat that team. Um, especially as we try and progress further in that tournament. So I think it's really important as far as the Europa League's concerned. I mean, if we, and Paulie was kind of getting at this, I mean, if we fancy ourselves as an actual champions league team, then we need to beat the teams and die at Champions League, you know? Like, otherwise, we're just another group stage dropout um, waiting for that Kanye West album to come out. Um, I was about to say, there's our, there's our album name right there. Yeah, <laughs> group stage dropout. That's the name <laughs> of the new pod. Um, but I feel pretty secure, I think. And this, these are famous last words. United should finish second in the league this year. There's no reason why we shouldn't keep this up and finish up in second. Maybe it's third place, but there's no way we're, we should be dropping out of top four. If we drop out of top four, that's a major, major misstep by the team. So, you know, we need to be looking at the Europa League as not the, this is how we get into the Champions League. We're looking at it as, no, we need to win this thing because it's expected of us. Um, and I think the FA but Cup... at the same time, it doesn't hurt to keep the, the route open. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I just think from a mindset standpoint, we need to be approaching it. At, like, you know how Jose looked at it is, well, we have to win this if I'm going to get this team in the Champions League. It's like, no, we need to win this because that's what's expected of us. Um, and I think that that level of pressure needs to be put on our players um, at this point because we had a real shot at winning the Europa League last year and we crashed out of the semifinals, which was 
pretty poor considering how well the team had been playing in Project Restart. And I know there's a lot of games that were happening back to back, but you know, the Europa League was something that we should have won this past season and we didn't. So I, I think there should be some unfinished business that gets taken care of as well as I don't see why we can't probably, you know, do well in the FA cup as well. So the one nice thing is I feel like Ollie's done a pretty good job of rotating the squad out as much as people are complaining. I think on, on Twitter about like how he does the substitutions and things like that, maybe not necessarily having the best 11 here and there. Um, we have been lucky enough to, for the most part, miss a lot of the injury bugs that some of the other teams are dealing with, you know, knock on wood. I hope that doesn't start happening, but um, too late. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's happened already. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're screwed now, but it, we're in a position to compete. We need to compete is I, I think that's the, the bottom line. Yeah. And um, as you guys had both mentioned, I mean, the level of competition in the Europa League that's left now seems you know, higher than it was in 1617. Um, AC Milan, Bayer Leverkusen, PSV, it is, it is Ajax. It's definitely yeah. higher. It, Lille, the, the, Benfica, Napoli, Villarreal, Rangers. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a few league leaders um, in this, including Lille and AC Milan. So the Europa League has itself gotten higher now that team leagues are, I mean, they're still outside of England. They are all still. They're all still, what's, uh, not duopolies, just single opolies. Mono- monopolies. Literally. Wow, what an idiot I am. They're all monopolies. Uh, you've got Bayern, you've got PSG, you've got Juventus, um, and then the duopoly in La Liga, which Barcelona have lit themselves on fire, so who knows what the situation there is. But outside of La Liga, where we've always had Three, you know, the Madrids, Barcelona and Sevilla, who were a very good, you know, could they could be fourth or they could be fifth and go and win the Europa League. These other countries have now gotten a bunch of teams where that second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth spot, just like in England, is all of a sudden being, you know, it's no longer the top four. It's now six teams competing or five teams competing for those next three spots, which has made the Europa League a much deeper tournament. And next year when they revise it again, it's, it's only going to become an even stronger tournament. Um, and if we can make one quick clarification as well, um, Tottenham is playing Austrian Wolfsburg, not German Wolfsburg. <laughs> <laughs> Wolfsburg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, kind of moving on to this next topic, uh, which is one that uh, we put out a community poll for. Um as we mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, the injury bug has hit uh, uh, Paul Pogba out for at, at least an unfortunately long amount of time this season. And uh, Manchester United have a pretty big Paul Pogba-sized hole in their midfield that they're going to have to deal with. Um, so <laughs> the people have spoken and uh, voted for a Donny van de Beek and Scott McTominay partnership. Uh, in the meantime, uh, the the other options that I put in were McTominay, Fred, uh, the McFred midfield that finished in second place in the voting. And then third place was Van de Beek and Fred. Um, re- receiving the least amount of votes were uh, the Fred Matic partnership, which actually did us some pretty good work last year. And then uh, McTominay Matic. 
which seems like a disaster. So putting this up, uh, you know, there's a reason that we don't let the people make decisions. (laughs) So, so what were you thinking in the other category though, Colin? (laughs) <laughs> for other are, are we expecting uh, like Twan Zebe in the playing the yeah I mean why not you know uh bring up uh Shola Shortire someone like that I mean hey Harry McGuire so an, an attacker on the, on the a 17 year old attacker who looks smaller than Ahmad Diallo <laughs> yeah I mean why not let's go for it uh you know Harry McGuire looked really good in uh going it's forward a, a couple times he's decent on the ball yeah so um you know those are options I guess but but yeah, I mean, Van de Beek McTominay was not the option I was expecting to win this, and I think kind of speaks to really? the frustration of fans who really because fans have been making excuses for Donny Van de Beek for like months now, and they've been making excuses for Scott McTominay for it's different kinds of excuses with Van de Beek. It's like, oh, just give him a run of games and he's going to fit in perfectly here. And it's like, yeah. he doesn't do any of the things that you need him to do. McTominay, at least, I mean, McTominay at least does some of the things that you need him to do. Yeah. I was going to say in the defense of this selection, Scott McTominay has been pretty good lately, you know, the last month or so, uh, two months, I guess. Well, if you're going to play, if you were going to play Van de Beek in the pivot, you would have to play him next to McTominay. Because I don't, Fred, you'll have the same issue that you had with Pereira and Fred last year, which is that they got muscled off every ball. Matic won't have, doesn't have the pace to even think about covering when Van de Beek leaves his position, which will happen two seconds into the game and, or whenever he comes on, as soon as he passes the ball away, he, he's not even going to wait for the ball to be advanced. He's just going to run up the field uh, and join the forward line and, and probably get beyond the striker like he always does. So then McTominay is going to have to cover his ground for him, which isn't McTominay's game. And Von de Beek going and getting to be your most advanced player, like, sure, you're going to find pockets of space and you're going to get open, but who's passing you that ball? And I guess that's, that's the biggest. <laughs> <laughs> he may try, though. I, I think the biggest problem with all of these selections is that you're not going to find somebody whose forward passing comes close to replacing Paul Pogba's, you know, influence on this team, which maybe I would suggest if there are ways that you can kind of tinker with the formation, do you think that that's something Ollie would try and work with? Maybe not a diamond, but, you know, finding a way to try and get Juan Mata and Bruno Fernandez both on the pitch at the same time. Boom. There's, there's your answer. There's where you, you just said it. You done did it. The issue isn't that Paul Pogba's missing. It's not a Paul Pogba issue. It's a Juan Mata issue. And Juan Mata has been AWOL for two and a half weeks now. He hasn't been pictured in training. He hasn't made a match day squad since since the last game in January against Sheffield United. Mm -hmm. And we've not heard anything about it. And when speaking with our our fearless leader, Brent, he mentioned he brought up a good point, which is, in a situation like this where you haven't heard anything and a player has disappeared, it you know, you should probably think COVID. And that could be it. Mat, Mat, he could have been he could have tested positive for COVID. You hope it's you almost hope it's that because the alternative is, well, they're not gonna renew his contract and he's about to sign with an MLS team. <laughs> or there were rumors of him going to Turkey. Come to DC United. There were rumors of him going to Turkey, so it's either he's on his way out or he's being frozen out because He's not going to be around, but when you look at United with and without Paul Pogba this year, he has won them some games, but he, 
this year more than, you know in previous years the first four if you took Paul Pogba out of the team they were statistically a worse team they didn't win as many games no matter what and this year that's just not the case and statistically they're not much worse in fact they are not worse at all if even if you take out the Southampton and Leicester games they're still pretty much the same kind of thing and if you look at the games where he's played in the double pivot Brighton, well, we, you know, we didn't deserve to win that game, but September. Tottenham, we know what happened there, and again, September. And then after that, it was, he didn't play in the double pivot again until, like, Sheffield United. Okay, that was a good one. West Ham. Uh, right, West Ham, when he played with McTominay, where in the first half, we got overrun. But then, as of late, Wolves, we, we required a late goal there, um, Burnley required a moment of magic from Pogba. Fulham, we weren't great, required a moment of magic. So it hasn't been fantastic. Now, without Pogba in there, it hasn't been fantastic either. But we got by at the beginning of the season because we had Juan Mata in there. And Mata did a great job of connecting that midfield base with the front three. Because what happens when McTominay and Fred play is Bruno drops deeper. And we saw this on Sunday. Bruno was often dropping deeper than, than the two of them. And when that mm-hmm. happens, it's now instead of having four players in the front four to pass to, he's got three. And also that's not where you want Bruno to have the ball from. So even if he passed it, even if he, you know, hit one towards Martial or Rashford, you don't have a creator up there because Bruno's so deep on the pitch. So when you have Mata in there, Mata sometimes would drop into midfield and provide that creative forward passing from midfield. Or Bruno would drop into midfield and Mata would come in off the right wing and, and come into that number 10 spot. So Bruno would just give it to Mata and you still had that creative player up the pitch. And this wasn't perfect by any means. United didn't pull ahead of Newcastle until – Paul Pogba and Donny van der Beek came on the pitch. Uh, they didn't, you know, they, they weren't great against Chelsea. They were good against, Mata did a lot of good things against Everton, though he wasn't really on the ball. So he was, he was hit or miss as you expect Mata to be. But if, since Donny van der Beek hasn't taken yet at United and we can't really find a place for him to fit into the team when he plays on the wing, he, he doesn't really get involved when he plays in the pivot. Oh God, when he plays at the number 10, it's still nothing. So the, the if Paul Pog was hurt, you, what you need is Juan Mata, and he's not there. So And, you know, you can't just look and say, well, we've got Marcial Cavani, Rashford, Greenwood. That's four players for three spots that you could easily fill out a front three with them because they're all good in their own right. But then it becomes a how do we get the ball to them situation, and, and it, it doesn't work. So if Juan Mata isn't in the squad uh, for the Real Sociedad game, uh, are we thinking that that's definitely off the table then? Because it seems like if there's a game to try and bring him back into things, it would be the Europa League. I would have said that a week, two weeks ago before Pogba got hurt. I would have said, oh, well, yeah, and I was saying this. In the Europa League, you know, you're going to be able to use players like Daniel James and Juan Mata, etc. Now that Pogba's hurt, I wouldn't put Mata in the squad anyway because i'd say you need him against newcastle and we know he can't go you know he can't go thursday sunday he couldn't do that last year he's a year older now um so i wouldn't do that i just i don't think he's going to be in the squad period just because he hasn't been around the team so again you hope 
bad to say this, but you hope it's COVID and it's not, oh, he's being frozen out or is on his way out. You hope it's something, okay, he's, he'll be able to rejoin the team, you know, on Monday and get back and get back into the swing of things and not, you know, boss's decision that he's just not part of the team anymore. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we will see. We miss you, um, Amada. Please come back. Unless Ahmad Diallo can fill in that hole, but Ahmad Diallo has been ill also. So I, at best, I would expect him, you know, at best case scenario, he plays 10 minutes on Thursday and more likely, I don't even think he travels. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I would like to see Ahmad Diallo make an appearance um, pretty soon. I would like to, and I would have thought he'd come off the – he'd come off the bench in this game, but the fact that he was ill um, last weekend, we haven't seen pictures of him in training either. And like basically every time he steps on the training pitch uh, United tweeted out. So we haven't seen, seen him there. It's hard for me to see him coming on and, or being with the squad, especially in this day and age where if you are ill, whether it's COVID or not, every precaution is taken. But you know, a lot of people saying he, they, they should just roll the dice with him. Like, no, Solskjaer is going to bring him on slow. Like he's going to come off. His debut is going to come from the bench and he's probably going to make at least one, maybe two or three appearances off the bench before he gets a full debut. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, for followers of the Busby Babe on Twitter, stay tuned for a Juan Mata meme. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's indicative of I'm getting faster at Photoshop or Paula talks too much, but I just made an entire Juan Mata it's, meme. It's certainly the latter. There's a healthy middle ground in there somewhere. It's certainly the latter, but at the same time, I kept looking at my screen and being like, Nathan's not paying attention, so I can keep talking. Yeah, I was I was interested in what Nathan was doing at some point, and then I got the notification because I saw he had this shit-eating grin on his face. <laughs> Um, I mean, I right. listen as the memes are officially on our Slack channel, so yeah, keeping up appearances. Um, I think that is going to do it for us uh, for this episode. Uh, we will be back possibly at the weekend um, in some form to wrap up the Europa League game and the game against is it Newcastle we play on Sunday? Yes, we play Newcastle. Yeah, like the ungodly hour of like two p.m. Yeah, boys. I mean, hey, there's on no- the cock. Yeah. I got nothing else to do on Sunday. On the cock. Um, yeah. So I don't either. I, I I don't either. Like, let's not make it seem like oh, I'm missing out on all my plans. I just hate waking up on a weekend and being like, wait, I gotta wait till like midweek day time to watch a game. Like, what am I gonna do all morning? I'm not working. Can make some hash browns. And then what do I that, do with the rest of the morning? I mean, Eat that's your last day to do the uh, squad building challenge for the Rooney retirement flashback cards so. that's a fair point yeah. you could uh you could sit down and watch lupin on netflix I, i'm enjoying it so far we're not sponsored by either of these things but we're not that's sponsored by anything no more free ads guys no <laughs> we, more we are sponsored by big hash brown though so we want to make sure that we uh, get our shout outs in there big hash brown yeah all right well um that'll do it for us i've been colin thanks for listening <laughs> where are you want mata have fun splicing this one together, Colin. <laughs> <laughs>